Is aging with beauty, power, and dynamic information a priority for you, your parents, and your friends? If so, the Wonder Health Age and Vitality Summits in 2020 are going to blow you away, and we cannot wait to share our amazing speakers and our amazing partners with you. To find out more information and to pre-register, go to wonderhealth.com, and that is wonder with a U. We hope to see you there. This is the Wonder Life Podcast, the voice for health and wellness. Each week, we chat with real people doing big and small things to inspire us to light up our lives so we can go out and light up this world. You may find us on social at Wonder Health, and that is Wonder with a U. We hope you enjoy our show. This week on the Wonder Life Podcast, I chatted with old friend Keela Price. We talk about getting mentally fit, finding your true happiness, and the practice and the discipline of self-love. This is a great podcast as we get ramped up for our stress-less challenge. We are challenging you to 30 days before the holiday season makes you crazy to decide to come into yourself, to detach from what other people think and create the holiday season and the reality that you want so you can go out and light up this world and shine your light. But it's like, you know, we get into these patterns of behavior and are like on that hamster wheel. So it's like making a change is a real challenge. It is a real challenge, but you don't understand how much making that change can affect your reality. Like a lot of times that we're in survival mode so much that we can't really see clearly on what to do to get ourselves out of it. So we're so focused on what's going on or what isn't happening that we don't rely on our own strengths to get us out of it. We just are relying on, I don't have this. I don't have this. I need this. I want this. When I know that there are people who have been, um, that go without food. Like, I mean, really go without food. Like, we have people in America who say, oh, you know, I'm hungry, you know, but you can go to a shelter or a pantry and mm-hmm. get something to eat. Mm-hmm. Then we have people who are in other countries who don't even have that, yet they still find a way mm-hmm. to be mentally fit. Like, they still find a way to be happy mm-hmm. with their circumstances. Because I get that question a lot as well. Like, oh, well, it's different because she has everything or he has everything. And what about those people? Actually, those people statistically are some of the happiest people (laughs) that are out Mm -hmm. there because they know how to construct a happiness in the world through which they view the lens. Well, we we have a distorted perception of that happiness, like all the things you mentioned before, when I get this material thing. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we as Americans are very conditioned for that. Of course. We are, and we condition our children to believe that early on. And so then it just becomes a a generational curse, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. Just this cycle that we can't, we create the hamster wheel, we put our children on it, and then nobody can get off of the hamster wheel, or you think that you can't get off the hamster wheel. 
but I promise you that there is a more effective way. Yeah, and there's a deconstruction mm -hmm. to that. So mm -hmm. making those changes, making those changes, is like the conscious deconstructing. Like how would like how would someone even do that? Okay, so I would say there's this psychologist that I really love. His name is Sean Aker, and he um, wrote I want to say it's the Happiness Advantage. That's what it's called. It's the Happiness Advantage, and I've actually been practicing his steps and I've actually had my whole family, my immediate family. So my husband, my two sons, even the nine year old to actually practice these steps because I normally perform studies like on my own children and myself. Oh, that's <laughs> smart. Right. Just to see how effective it will be. So he listed gratitude. So every single day for 21 days, right? Three things that you're grateful for. Um, journaling everyday journal at least something positive that happens to you that day when you do those things it allows you to scan the world for good instead of, instead of scanning it for the negative when you journal it it allows you to relive it so now we're building up that side of your brain that has been deflated because you spend so much time on i love that day. and that is so easy it's easy like you don't actually have to have any money to do no, that not at all. you don't have to pay for it you don't have to you have go anywhere to, you don't have to have any of that the next is exercise because it shows us that behavior matters it shows our brains that behavior does affect you know how we think and how we respond to the world um, meditation, I believe, was the other one. And meditation shows us that you can't slow down in a world that has made you think that everything is urgent. You know? That is, <laughs> like, that is legit. Yes, definitely. And meditation, even just the act, I don't care if it's a minute. Um, one of my dear friends, um, she went to North Central, as a matter of fact, Dr. Nzinka Harrison, um, she often, we work together on Let's Get Mentally Fit and she does a lot of webinars. And one of her webinars um, on mindfulness or I believe it was PTSD and using mindfulness as a strategy to manage that. You can describe an apple, you know. It, meditation doesn't have to be this really involved thing because a lot of people are fearful of meditation. It's really just a quieting of the mind. You can describe something in the room, you can pray. You can reflect. I mean, it's anything that brings you to that present moment so that that's all you focus on for one minute, five minutes. You know, the goal is to eventually increase that time because we need that time. We're overstimulated so much, you know, in America that we need to be intentional about quieting our minds. Well, I actually just was having a conversation before this where, you know, we were talking about meditation and the woman I was talking to was like, people are like, I can't do that. Or as you said, people are afraid of meditation and, and it's, they're not afraid of meditation or we are not afraid of meditation. We're afraid of like getting quiet and like exactly. not knowing what to do. What to do. <laughs> but the, the good news is there's actually nothing to do but breathe. And, and it's kind of like yoga. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm not um, flexible. Right. Well, you don't do yoga because you're flexible. Right. You do, do yoga to, to get flexible. Exactly. So I think if we could just like take the stigma off, you don't have to be a monk or a yogi or a priest right. or whatever, or like a super disciplined person. Yeah. It's just like, you need to get to a place. We all need to get to a place of quiet mm -hmm. and make it whatever, as you said, make, make it, it your whatever. own, make it, make it your, your own. own moment. Right. Just be intentional about finding those practices of peace because they really will help biologically 
you know, change the neuroplasticity in your brain so that you're able to be more resilient and more alert and perform better and happier. And at the end of the day, that's what we really want is we want to be resiliently happy human beings. Yes. No matter what the condition. And again, I said resiliently happy human beings. I didn't say successful. I didn't say human beings with more money or more things or whatever we have falsely believe that happiness is but I said resiliently happy human beings because the truth of the matter is that things will happen no matter how much money or things you do or don't have and you want to be armed with those techniques to be able to be happy no matter what what is like what do you think the number one tip or trick or advice you have given in your book that like you think is a game changer? Oh gosh, that's hard to say. Um, You're like, the whole thing is actually <laughs> brilliant. I would say, okay. I would say it is what I just said, that self-love is not a passive thing. It's something that, that you have to be very intentional about. People think that it requires less effort than it does loving another person. It actually requires more effort because we haven't been taught to do so. And I think that people just think if you say, oh, I, I love myself, you know, a couple of days a week or do a couple of mantras in the mirror that you've done it. When it's actually a very intentional thing, it is not passive. It is about being mindful of what you put into your body, thoughts and food. It's about being mindful of who you surround yourself with. It's about being mindful of the activities that you do each day. Are they contributing to making you a better being or are they totally depleting you and that is as a mom that could be your husband your children your job your friends mm -hmm. because you know as moms we give so much all the time and we think that that's love and to an extent it is but loving on an empty cup is never effective love mm -hmm. <laughs> not for you or anyone yeah. else you know it's definitely a uh it's definitely a journey. It's a journey. And being patient, I think, is like really key. And discipline. Yeah. So what do you think, you know, what do you think like one of the things that people can do to get off the hamster wheel? Um, you know, we've talked about the gratitude piece and the journaling piece, um, which I think is really powerful to do. And I do think that you, like the more we focus on what is good, the more good we see. Yeah. Um, but you know, for like those busy folks who are the, you know, the moms running around who may or may not be working and, you know, dad has commitments and is all over the place and the kids, PS, the kids are like all over the place and we're driving around or paying someone to drive them around. How do we change that culture? Like this is a cultural crisis. I think you have to decide to. It starts with decision. Like you have to decide that this is what I'm going to do because this is going to be beneficial not only to me, but to my children and my family. And then you have to build it into your lifestyle, but you have to do it in a way that's both realistic and achievable for you at that time. Because a lot of times we decide that we're going to make these, you know, lifestyle changes and I'm going to be a yogi and I'm going to be more mindful and I'm going to be more mentally fit. And we go overboard mm -hmm. and then we lose our motivation and frustration seeps in and we just don't stick with it. Mm -hmm. So even if it is 10 minutes a day, I want you to tell your children for 10 minutes a day, this is mommy's time. 
because what you're doing is teaching them the act of self-love and yes. self-care. We think that we teach by telling them when we teach by showing them. That is a really good thing to remember. <laughs> Even 10 or 15 minutes a day, because I know I was a busy mom. Like I was a stay-at-home mom for five years, I believe, before I actually decided to Okay, so before this, I worked for 13 years in marketing and advertising while I was busy and traveling all the time. And I felt like I missed so much of my oldest son's mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So then when my youngest son was born, I decided that I wanted to stay at home. And then that's when I decided, hmm, I wasn't really happy doing either. So where, yeah. where is this going to, yeah. where am I going to find fulfillment? And then that's when I got into psychology and decided to go back to school. Or masters of science and that's so cool you know marketers were all just actually psychologists exactly, yeah. sociologists <laughs> you just did it in the opposite yeah. yeah so i know about being a busy mom you know i was a busy working mom and being a busy stay at home is no less busy i feel like it's more busy <laughs> it's i feel like busy. the stay at home is actually the harder choice oh my gosh. than going to work it's like far. easy yeah because your kids are somewhere else <laughs> yeah know? and you have to you have to man you have a period of time where you can put into yourself when your kids are somewhere else yeah not saying that moms don't still feel that guilt because yeah. when i was a working mom and i was away all the time i felt that guilt yeah yeah like, oh it'd be God. hard not to yeah it wreaked havoc but so i thought staying at home would be better you're Maybe. an extremist no it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. it's like one or the other right right and i'm realizing that there's this middle ground here and that happiness is not going to come from either working or staying at home or feeling any less guilty as a mom because I chose either. It comes because I choose myself. Say that one more time because that <laughs> is like such a huge piece and I feel like people feel guilty. Yes. They feel so guilty. Which does not make any sense. Not at all. Not at all. It doesn't make any sense because you cannot be effective until you decide to choose yourself. You can be effective as a mom, whether you're working or not, and you can't really be effective as a human <laughs> like, yeah. until you decide to choose yourself. And it's not selfish. It has so many benefits for you and your entire family because you're teaching your children how to choose themselves. So then what we're doing is breaking that generational curse. I love that that hamster wheel. Well, I feel like in order for us to do our purpose, what we came to the planet to do. Mm -hmm. If we don't choose the self-love, mm -hmm. then we're actually doing a disservice to of the course. actual mother planet and mm -hmm. her people. Of course. Because we came here in this time mm -hmm. to shift the consciousness. I mean, I don't believe we came to the earth just to like hang out and like yeah. have a shopping experience exactly. and go on vacation. Those, those two things are wonderful. <laughs> Um, but I do think that we came here with work to do at this particular time because you can see it all around you. So exactly. if you don't choose this journey of going into the self as scary as it can be, because it, it can, can be. be like sometimes you don't like I'd much rather watch Netflix than go like sit and think about like what I might need to shift in myself or not. And like that's the other piece. You don't like we don't always 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 need to be like changing something no. or like you know like because i think that's an interesting other side of the hamster wheel Definitely. is like as you said it's like you're off into like 
so much self help mm -hmm. that it's that it's like you've lost your journey, you've lost yourself. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's interesting that you said that. Sometimes we feel like we have to change something, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have to operate in a place of acceptance. And that hey, was to the men. That was so hard. For me like i still practice daily when i say it's an on every time i give a talk you know i the question just like curdles my blood what did you do like it's like some type of final thing oh baby <laughs> yeah i still do it every single day because once i started to once i decided that this was going to be my way of life that i was always going to journey to my greatest self that's what i decided that i was going to do eight years ago I'm always going to be on a journey to my greatest self. Uh, it was hard. Yeah. Like, you know, you're talking about choosing one or the other. You know, at least if I was going to be a working mom, I could just do that. Or if I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, I could just do that. But with this new way of being, you can't choose to be a title. You have to choose to be yourself. <laughs> and Girl. that means you have to get in touch with every part of yourself. And the things that you do that don't contribute to your greatest self, but you're, you're used to doing them. It's, it's like familiar pain and you can't get away from it. Like that is the hardest work, but it's the most gratifying and I believe the most effective work. And I truly believe, like you said, that's what we were called to this earth to do. Not just as women, but as moms as well, because God gifted us with these beings that rely on us to get them off the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. How are we gonna do that if we don't get off ourselves? Shree, shree. <laughs> I am so excited um, just to continue the conversation. If people want to hear more from you um, and read your book, yes. where can they find you <laughs> and it? Okay, so they can find me online. So www.letsgetmentallyfit.com. So there's no apostrophe, just letsgetmentallyfit.com. Um, we are actually a full service non-marketing team. So if you need a therapist, I got you. If you need a yogi, I got you. If you need a life coach, you know, give me a call and we provide referrals, information, webinars, anything that you need in order to take this journey towards your greatest self. I don't like the term best self. I love that. And can you buy the book through your website? You can buy the book through my website. That's great. Yeah. Let's get mentally fit. Let's get mentally fit I love it. Indianapolis, Keila Price is up in here and we're going to convince her to speak at the um, summit here in Indy, September 19th, 2020. So I'd love to. you find her on social media and tell mm -hmm. her you want to hear more because <laughs> I, I don't know if I have to twist her arm, but no, you don't. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so great to see you. So great to see you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Ready? Take two. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so what does it mean to be mentally fit? Um, it's more of a proactive state of mind rather than a reactive state of mind. So as I was going through postpartum depression after my nine-year-old, um, I started realizing that we live in more of what I call a disease model of living, where we're looking for everything that's wrong and trying to repair it as opposed to focusing on being more proactive about staving those things off before it gets too far where we're in repair mode. So I wanted to create something that created awareness around um, 
this sort of happiness um, state of mind, but a state of true happiness. So not a state that is contingent upon external factors like material things or success, because that's really only 10% of your happiness. It is about this internal way of being. Like how do we um, keep our brains operating at what I like to call baseline or what psychologists like to call baseline instead of reaching maximal. So what we do is we always try and get to maximal and then we're trying to figure out what we can do to get out of it as opposed to figuring out what we need in order to stay at this baseline level where we're stable, we're calm, we're resilient, we're responding to the world in a much more effective way as opposed to um, damage control, if that makes any sense. Well, you just opened the can of worms. <laughs> How how do we get there? How do we get there? Because it does feel like we're all on a hamster wheel and we're all running. Definitely. I think that society has created like this cultural ADHD where we really thrive. We feel like we thrive off of multitasking. If I'm the busiest, then I'm the best. If I have uh, 55 meetings in a day and I work 12 hours or 16 hours and I must be successful. If I have a big house or more cars or more money or more things or more whatever, more is better. And as a result, we don't practice the cognitive side that we actually need to be happy. Because again, remember I said 10% of happiness is external. So only 10% of your happiness is coming from those things that you're constantly striving for. And we never spend any time on the internal. So the question, to answer your question, practice. We get there by practice. And people think the absence of disease or the absence of negativity is automatically positivity. The absence of not surrounding yourself with people who are always negative means that you're going to be positive or you're going to have more self-love. And that's actually not the case. You have to practice. It's not a passive thing. It's a very intentional thing. And I don't think that we as humans are intentional at all when it comes to our own person and making sure we preserve our mental health and have we ever been mm, i would say long ago like little house in the prairie <laughs> right long ago <laughs> when you had to be intentional to like when you go to the bathroom to outside in the middle of the night you had to be intentional so yeah, there was a time the there was a time and ironically i do think that there are still times but it's not in America. Like, here's the thing that people don't realize. I've met so many people who are more happy and resilient, who have suffered more trauma than you could ever imagine. Because of the trauma? Um, I would say because they have to be more intentional about seeking out happiness. Mm -hmm. So sometimes trauma and adversity, it, it, can, it go, can go either way. It can make you into this big ball of negativity and bitterness, or it can make you more intentional about seeking out happiness. Think of, I'm gonna use uh, Jenny. Jenny Kleinman. Oh, you know what? Lindsay Smith just mentioned today that she passed away. She passed away. Bless her heart. So she, I don't even like to use the word battle because that girl lived with ALS for 10 years. Like, gosh. She, her diagnosis was 18 months and she lived for 10 years wow. afterwards. And I've watched her documentary and I've read snippets from her book um, because I was really interested in where this happiness model comes from. So if you haven't gathered by now, 
I typically study happiness and real resilience, especially when it comes to moms and children, because I think that we have it, um, I won't say the worst, but we have the most challenges when it comes to actually practicing happiness. You are not lying. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I realized with her that, you know, when she found out about this diagnosis, um, of course it was like terrifying. Like you, you basically are being told that you're gonna die. Right. Yeah, I That's mean, not like, fun. what do you do with that? Right. But what she did with it was, like, really, really inspiring and miraculous to me because she found ways to be happy in whatever circumstance mm. that she's in. I have the biggest chills. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> because you? that's that's her spirit. That's her spirit. Oh, my God. But I love that. I don't even, I did not know her. I didn't either. But that's the spirit that we all should have. And we're talking about her because of her spirit. Exactly. Amen. We're talking about her because of her spirit and the valuable lesson that she taught about living through dying. Mm, that's huge. So oftentimes we're, we wait until we're met with that type of adversity in order to figure out how to live. But we don't realize that we're operating in the opposite direction. Our brains crave for positivity and happiness. Do you realize that if you adopt more positivity and self-love, then you will be more successful because you activate dopamine in your system. It turns on that feel-good hormone and, and motivates you. You also turn on every learning center in your brain that makes you more aware and more alert and able to learn more, perform better. So we are operating in the opposite direction where we're trying to attain things like this finish line of success. When I think, get. Exactly. Because we think that's going to make us happy. But the problem is we keep moving the finish line. Right. Like it's so never enough. How are you going to ever get to the other side of happiness if you keep moving the finish line? You know what? That is like the abuse continuum. Yeah, definitely. Where you're like, I would never stay with so-and-so if they hit me. Mm -hmm. And so you have this line, if you will, and then so-and-so hits you, so you so you move, you the, move line. the line. Yeah, well, he only hit me there. Right. He hit me on my face. <laughs> right. Well, right, totally. So, because yeah, exactly. you can come up with these things mm -hmm. so that we're never at the finish line. Exactly. And we think that on that other side of finish line is happiness, when really, finish line, the, the happiness is on this side of the finish line. It's where you are. What? Happiness is where you, you are. are. But we live in this world where happiness is everywhere, but where we but are. we are. And then we ask ourselves, well, how do we get there? Like, I get that question all the time. Like, how do you become mentally fit? Like, that's a, people ask like, oh, you do this and then you get here and then you're done. You're never done. <laughs> you're never done. BT jobs. <laughs> you're never done until you're dead. That's what I I'm saying. I don't even know if you're done then. Just depends right. on what <laughs> Exactly. Believe. Exactly. Yeah. But, but you're never done. It's an ongoing process. So people ask, what did you do? And I always respond, I'm still doing it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a passive thing. It's a very active, intentional way of living. That is challenging because we aren't used to it. And society isn't conducive to this way of living. Everything in society says the opposite. You know, that you have to have these things before you can be happy. Like even in the workforce, if you think about it, everything is based on this 
milestone or this quota if you're a salesman or test results if you're a principal everything is based on that final outcome instead of operating the operating the way our brains normally operate and trying to be motivators and trying to get people to find positivity and peace and you don't realize that your bottom line will automatically increase if you do that so really it's about getting in your body being in the moment and dealing with here like dealing with yourself, dealing exactly. with your stuff. Exactly. Because there's always going to be stuff, no there's matter if you had like the best childhood or the worst childhood. Or the worst childhood. Like, like we are here to work it out. Exactly. No matter if you have the best job or whatever you consider the worst job, your reality is your perception through which the lens you view it. And we think that our reality has already been constructed for us when you construct your reality by how you deal with it and how you view it and how you respond to the world around you. So to get mentally fit, mm -hmm. obviously it takes steps to get there. Okay. So, you know, some people are in like survival mode of I am trying to pay my light bill and feed my kids or feed myself. So there's a mental, there, there's a mental component there where you, you know, are in a very, scarce scarce and lack oriented situation mm -hmm. and then you have people who are who are wanting to work on it and our brain thank you for tuning in this has been an episode of the wonder life podcast